Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we are your weekly source of drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically just two uh, regular dudes drinking, well, sometimes regular beer, sometimes outstanding beer, (laughs) and talking about regular old Magic the Gathering, in particular Magic the Gathering Arena, and with an eye towards competitive play. Exactly. Um, And today we are talking about Kaldheim Sealed, because we have an event coming up this weekend, uh, the Arena Open, which is sealed this time around. So we thought maybe we'd give it a little bit uh, more thought than, uh, well, usual. <laughs> but first, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, then rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic and save the best for last. Uh, so with that, Jeff, what is on tap? I brought something called Everyday Magic. Because, you know, <laughs> play magic every day, so it felt mm-hmm. appropriate. Because you're an uh, arena regular? That's right. <laughs> uh, I actually haven't been playing every day, so this is a this is the wrong beer to bring. Boo. It's an IPA from Sada City. It's 6.9%. It has kind of like a orange butterfly on the front. There's not really much else to, to say. What do you got? Um, this is Blood Moon from Whitewater Brewing Company. It's a blood orange sour. It's 4.8%. And the can is like a purple and orange kind of nightscape with a, well, Blood Moon on it. Um, oh, it's not just literally the art from Blood Moon? No, it's not. Um, mm. And it doesn't turn everything into a mountain. There's barely a mountain on this thing, so. Um, oh, that's, that's weird. That is weird. Um, <laughs> but hey, I thought we, I should bring it, so. Um, yeah. Did you just, as soon as you took a sip, did you have an impulse to just flip the table and leave? That's... <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I did not. Um, uh, anyway, uh, in Magic News, there's a big banned and restricted announcement this week. Um, pretty big. Jeff, uh, what, what's, what happened? Yeah, I don't know why people are calling this like the biggest banned and restricted announcement of all time, or, or one of them, but all that happened is Uro got banned in Historic, and Omnath, Locus of Creation got banned in historic it was moved from suspended yeah uh, isn't that literally the only stuff that happened that's basically the only thing i don't know anything else it, yeah. nothing of importance yeah. like there's yeah there's something about cascade i don't know what that i don't is. know i don't play that card <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but no for real we were um talking about this last week um and we kind of knew Uro was coming at eventually at some point. I think I lost that bet. It was. Sure I said. <laughs> I said it was going to be September. <laughs> it was February. Whatever. That happens. Yeah, you were close. <laughs> I was pretty close. close. I was close. <laughs> um, but no. So the weird thing with this one is that the Uro announcement was kind of revealed in a secret layer last week. So they had shown a bunch of secret layers, and one of them has Uro in it, and then it, underneath it just kind of had a little thing that said, "Hey." By the way, Uro's going to be banned. So just know that before you buy it, kind of. I like that. I think it's the right thing to do, you know? You don't want people to buy this, and then on Monday, it's like, haha, JK, it's banned, suckas. Yeah. I do think that was a good idea. However, it is interesting why they didn't just have the banned announcement before they announced the secret layers. That could have happened as well. I guess I know, yeah. I don't exactly know all the, the, the things that it, I'm sure a lot of thought was put into the band announcement and why they do it a certain way and of course they're going to do this the way they want to but it is it's just kind of funny for the memes not necessarily i'm not really mad about it at all i suspect there may have been some like magic online ptq tournaments of formats oh that, that are, okay that probably makes sense 
in the band announcement. So if they announce it on like Wednesday, everyone has to find a new deck. Right. I guess that, that does make sense. Um, cause I have no idea what's going on in magic online. So, yeah. So all the other formats that are not on magic arena all got wildly changed <laughs> bands yeah. everywhere. There's like five cards banned per format and rules changes. Um, pretty, pretty crazy. Um, we, we had mentioned last week that Cascade or something with the Valky Tibble problem was going to be, was it going to be changed? It's just with Cascade and how that mechanic works. Um, we don't have any of that in arena, so we're not going to go over it at all. It's just, the rule looks so redundant now, but yeah, it makes sense. It, I mean, it finally makes sense and it's how Cascade yeah. should work. So that's great. If yeah. you want to, uh, read more about it, you can just go on Wizards, uh, you know, their page and look up the band yeah. announcement. They explain everything there. So. But Zach, there was other huge news announced the day after we recorded last week's podcast. What was that? Uh, the other huge news is that the Arena <laughs> Open is going to be sealed. And there's an Arena Open this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yay. It's always, it's always nice to be recording the podcast that comes out the, you know, on Thursday. And there's a bunch right. of announcements on Wednesday. So yeah, wish we could have <laughs> talked about it last week because everybody's been talking about it for a whole week. <laughs> um, yeah. So you've probably heard already... But this weekend, uh, the Arena Open is sealed, which also, the Strixhaven Qualifier, which is in March, is also sealed. Right. So that tournament that you qualify for if you reach top 1200 Mythic this season, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be a sealed deck. Or do well in the Arena Open, which is sealed. So that's why they did that. So if you do well in this Arena Open, uh, I think you have to get um, five wins on day two. If you mm -hmm. get there, then you're qualified for the other sealed tournament. Um, so that is why I've been playing a lot of Seals and been doing a horrible job at it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into how, how bad we are at the Sealed format later. And we're going to tell you all the things that we learned by losing a lot of times. Yeah, but this, this is really great news. Uh, we've been asking for competitive uh, limited events for a long time. So it's nice to hear that Wizards is listening to that and brought, yeah. brought not only the Arena Open, but also like the March qualifier weekend are both limited events. I know people are saying, oh, why can't it be draft? Like, hey, let's take it one step at a time here. Exactly. Um, they had some reasons. I know there's something with uh, getting the right number of players and the, the right times and all those kind of things seems kind of confusing to me. So I'm going to just wait, let them figure it out, and then I will play whenever they get the draft going. So. Yeah. Um, but you will notice this arena open costs a little bit more than it used to. It used to be 20,000 gold or 4,000 gems. Now it's 22,500 gold or 4,500 gems. Yes. Uh, what's the reason for that? Uh, because you're playing sealed, so you're playing with cards, so you're basically buying those cards and you get to keep all of them afterwards. Yeah. So you get six packs. Yeah, you get six packs. Um, it is good to mention that uh, you get to keep them in the arena open this weekend, and then in the qualifier later it's going to be phantom, which means you do not keep the cards. Right, because the qualifier, you don't pay an entry fee for it. You're either qualified or you're not. Yeah, exactly. So they're not going to just give you stuff. So they don't want to give stuff. you the, yeah. the cards. Although they do give you something for free when you sign up. I guess it's not free because you paid for it. But yeah. um, you do get the Phyrexian 4 and Clex card style, which is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Just sure. be ready to see that everywhere come Monday. It's going right. to literally, anyone who plays Vorinclex is probably going to have that. Yeah. And then the structure of the event's the same as it was before. You can either play best of one or best of three. Mm -hmm. If you play best of one, you have to get seven wins before you get three losses to move on to day two. If you play best of three, you have to get four match wins before you get one match loss Oof. to move on to day two. 
Yeah. Uh, and then the prize payouts are a little better for best of three to account for that kind of volatility. They're, they're quite a bit better for best of three. Yeah. Because in best of one, you will never be able to earn your money back. And in best of three, you'll get it by three wins. Right. You'll actually make gems. You'll make three gems. wins. Yeah. But, you know, high risk, high reward, classic gambling <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Should we maybe start with our little, our, our usual uh, reminder here that if you plan on playing yes. in this event, you should set aside a certain number of entries because you're allowed to enter day one as many times as you want. Uh, you should set aside a certain number of entries that you plan on, yeah. uh, you know, using so that, you know, you, you're not like, oh, so close. Let me just buy 20,000 more gems and, and try again. And uh, You really should just say, okay, I'm going to try this twice. If I don't get it after the second time, then Exactly. Because you know that when you spend the more money to get more gems, you're not just going to do it once. Like if you already spent the time putting more gems in your account, you're like, I'll just give it one more go. Then after that one goes badly, you're going to be, no, I'll give it, uh, this next one's lucky. I'm going to do this next one. And then you just keep going. And, right. Well, you don't need that many Vorinclex card styles. <laughs> you yeah. only need one. <laughs> just need the one. Just the one. Uh, but yeah, anyway, big, big news. I've been playing more sealed than I usually do. Most of the time I play it about once for the um, pre-release. So I've been trying to get some practice in. And uh, I have to say, yeah. you know, I've been learning a lot is what I'm going to say. That's, that's what I'll... <laughs> yeah, I used to go to play competitive sealed all the time because, uh, like, I didn't want to invest the money in, in paper, the best paper standard decks or the best modern decks or whatever. So whenever I saw a PTQ in Toronto that was sealed deck, I would try to make it happen to actually go. So that used to be almost the only way I really played competitive magic. Interesting, okay. Uh, and then I just haven't played in like years basically yeah you know since that those tournaments stopped mm -hmm. so it was it's been fun to jump back into sealed it's a fun format that uh i just literally haven't played in so long um i i also i mean i think sealed is pretty fun it is nice to like just have a bunch of cards that you're just given and you have to figure out what the best way to put them together it's kind of like a puzzle yeah um which feels obviously a lot different than draft because in draft you can hone your your deck a little bit better and you go down different branches and if you tend to go down the wrong path uh too early or different things like that you can make mistakes that way but in in sealed you kind of just have everything you can spend as much time as you want putting your deck together in any different kind of way that you'd like um which i've been right. better at most of the time i just kind of throw it together and play but now i've actually been thinking a lot more <laughs> and we'll build it two or three times before being like okay yeah, yeah, I should actually do it this way. My first two ideas were not great, so I'm going to go this other route. Yeah, I, I guess, so let's talk a little bit just about Sealed in general, because a lot of yeah. people may not have even That's true. played okay. it at yeah, all. That's true, okay, yeah, let's do that, okay. Uh, or have only played it, haven't played it in a competitive setting before. Mm -hmm. uh, so Sealed is, you just get six packs. In this case, they'll all be Haldheim packs. Whatever you get in those packs, you must now build a deck out of... Um, including, you're allowed to use basic lands, but you don't get to add as many snow basics to your deck as you want, or dual lands or anything like that. You only get to add basic lands. And so basically what tends to happen is that you kind of get a mishmash of random cards. Like in draft, there are archetypes, you know, you could be blue-green snow, for example, because mm -hmm. you drafted snow lands early and then you picked up the blue-green payoffs. Or you could be like red-white artifacts and or equipment and enchantments kind of thing. Your deck is not going to be anywhere near that focused in sealed because it's just whatever commons you happen, unless you get really lucky. But in general, 
you're not really going to have a well-defined archetype of, you know, I'm blue-white foretell, you know, because you probably just won't get enough foretell cards and foretell payoffs to really make that balance work. So it tends to just be slower um, because your deck is not as tuned. It doesn't, it doesn't have as strong a theme. Yeah, and it also kind of has a sense of, like, you're trying to get all the best cards that you opened, like any bombs that you opened, if they kind of go across colors, a lot of times people will just kind of get them in there because they know mm -hmm. if I can land a bomb and keep it on the table for a while, then I'll, that's how I'm going to win. And that's how most of these games kind of go. Yeah, and I, I did want to talk about that too because it is advice you'll hear all the time, um, especially back in the day when you used to go to LGS or whatever, um, is to not force your bombs into your deck, just play whatever color has the best commons and, and stuff. And I think that's outdated advice. I think that advice was really good back when, um, basically in the old way of creating magic sets, the best commons were way better than the bad commons, and the rares were not that much better than the best commons. So it's like, hey, you don't need to jump through 10 hoops to put a single dragon in your deck when your other, you know, your other color has four of the really good commons, because the dragon's only a little better anyways than those commons. Mm-hmm. The way modern magic sets are designed, pretty much every common is playable. Like, if you look at Kaldheim, it's hard to find a card where you're like, that's just so bad, and I would never want that in my deck. You know, there are some cards that are slightly worse than other ones, so you're unhappy to play them, but there are no, like, real stinkers like they used to have. That mm -hmm. where you literally just cannot win a game with this thing. <laughs> and the rares are so good now. They're, like, so much better than, you know, anything at common. Yeah. So I think that the advice of, you know, try not to stick to your bombs, it's actually kind of bad advice. You should basically be doing everything you can to play your bombs if possible, because they're mm -hmm. just going to be so much better than everything else. Yeah, and it's also a bit easier to splash because of the common um, land cycle that is dual, dual lands, uh, the snow ones. Yeah, and this set in particular, splashing is pretty easy. Yeah. That's true. So it's good advice for yourself to know, hey, I can do this, and if you don't end up being able to have the pool that will let you put a bunch of, I guess, pool a bunch of bombs together um, and just kind of play that, uh, you will be playing against a lot of people who did that. So be prepared to, to watch people play three or four color decks that have all these crazy cards that you're like... Are you serious? They played... Okay, if you're thinking that they're like, okay, they played this and this and this, there's nothing else, they they might have something else. Like, you don't know. It's just... yeah. <laughs> yeah, and again, just to be, you know, as as new, new player friendly as possible, when we say splash, we mean adding a, a right. color just for a couple of cards. So, like, you could be a green-blue splash red. It means you're mo almost all green and blue cards, but you might have one or two red cards because yeah. they're just so good that you want to add them. And my rule of thumb is usually I like to have uh, one and a half sources per card I'm splashing. So if I splash two cards, I want three ways of generating that color of mana. That's a pretty good rule. Um, I, I usually let Arena do it for me. <laughs> I just put the cards together and Arena shows me. And I'm like, that's probably right. Arena wildly, like, way gives you way too many lands, I find. Like, I'm splashing one black card, and it's like, you want four swamps. Like, I do not want four swamps. Like, I'm not going to be able no. to cast my main cards now. <laughs> <laughs> so do watch out for that. Um, most of the time, I, I just, like, you know, I will look at it, but most of the time, my rule of thumb is kind of like, I'll let it do it, and then I might change a couple if I feel weird about Arena's it. Arena's really good at mana bases for two-color decks. 
with no dual lands. Mm. It'll just be like, yeah, you want like 9-8 for this deck. I'm like, I do want 9-8. Way to go, Arena. <laughs> nice job. Uh, once you start to get a little more complicated, it tends to, uh, the, the algorithm tends to Falls kind of, apart. like if you, if you were to build a five color green deck, which is actually an archetype in this format, the lands it's going to suggest are going to be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, just expect everyone to be super greedy uh, when it comes to their deck and all the things that they think they can fit in it and what they all think that they can do with those things. Um, they'll mm -hmm. be warned, uh, because of everyone getting so greedy, I was like, you know what would be really fun? Just playing Smashing Success and blow up their one you know, white-blue source when they're green-black. I'm like, that yeah. sounds like a really fun thing to me. Uh, and then it never worked out, and it just was like a dead card, and it was like, I should, <laughs> I should not do this. Just too bad. I know you love land destruction, but this card's just too, too bad. It's man. more like I just want to punish them for being so greedy, and I know yeah. it's really bad, um, but it, you know, it teases you, right? Because it also blows up artifacts and gives you a treasure, but like, it's just not good enough. It's really bad. Yeah, but what you do need to do is make sure you have removal. Make sure you have a good few pieces of catch-all removal. Because most of the bombs in this set are actually creatures, um, so you want to be able to get rid of them. And don't blow your removal. Like it's, In Sealed, it's really important that you don't just, ah, oh, you tried to combat trick your guy, I get, I get a nice little two-for-one now. Because you probably only have two or three removal spells in your deck, and then your opponent drops an unbeatable bomb. And you're just sitting there like, oh, that two-for-one I got's not looking so good now, yeah. is it? It's like, like, now I fell into their trap, oh, great. Right, I should have just taken the one-for-one one they were offering me and saved this removal spell for the, the gigantic flyer. Yeah, you immediately see the clock going down, and you're like, oh, right. fuck. <laughs> okay. Basically, when you first look at your pool, the first thing I'm looking for is what are the bombs and what are my removal options. Yeah. That's, and then I'm uh, just going to see if I can make a deck that is those colors. Yeah, and if not... So that's like the greediest possible approach. Yeah. You know, try to cram all your removal and bombs into one deck. And see if you can fill it out. With other things that seem good. Right. <laughs> With something that looks like a curve, you know? <laughs> yeah, some sort of curve. So if you've been listening or, or, or drafting a lot of call time, snow has been a big uh, archetype. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, pick up a lot of snow lands. Like we were saying before, um, it can be harder to play a snow deck. Just keep that in mind. Like, don't just blindly say, I'm going to try to force this. Um, because you probably won't have enough snow lands or just snow cards that you're looking for uh because you just there aren't as many of them right it's the same as every yeah, other yeah. archetype that we were talking about <laughs> yeah but on the other hand some of the snow cards are just totally fine you know and, and you're happy to play them even though you only have two or three snow lands yeah like um an example is the troll the troll is just a two three and you can activate to give it plus two plus so an indestructible that seems like a card that you just don't want unless you have enough snow synergy. But I think in Sealed, I found it to be totally fine because the 2-3 is just reasonable in the early game. And then in the late game, it can just take over. So the upside of it in the late game, like literally your opponent just cannot get through it or you, you can attack with it every turn and just expect that they have to take it, basically. Yeah. Or chump block. So because the card is so good in the late game... And in the late game, you might expect to actually have two of your three snow sources. So cards like that are fine. Don't play the one-two Frost Augur that reveals a snow card, reveals your top card, and if it's snow, you get it. 
Like or Pilfering like, Hawk, that's the one that lets you loot if you had snow. Any of the like right, utility that, ones that like aren't just a decent creature by themselves. I mean, you know, Jorn is fine. He's a 3-3 three, three for 3, but also he's, you know, he'll trade down a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. But then there's like the 4-4 four, four for 5 that taps something and it doesn't untap if you've used snow. I think that card's fine because 4-4 four, four is just so big. And you also so, only like, need one source to let that, that actually needs to happen. Right. And if you tap something down, like 4-4 four, four that taps something is, is fine, right? It's, it's a fine uh, floor. Exactly. But yeah, it is harder to get your synergies together, sort of as we opened. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess we are getting into Kaldheim-specific stuff. And I gotta say, I only recently started not getting my ass kicked in this format. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had the opposite thing, where I was doing pretty well at the beginning, and now I'm getting my ass kicked really bad. And you <laughs> are going up. I'm like, was I just lucky? Was I playing? I, I don't know if it was also because when I was first playing it, they had not announced that the arena open was going to be sealed. And I think now there's yeah. a flood of people who are now practicing. And right. I just like, there's so many more people than before. It just feels like I'm like, damn, oh, these, you guys are much better at this. <laughs> I was just treating it like, you know, I would treat typical sealed formats. And what I found was in, in usual sealed, it's too hard to really put together an aggro deck or a control deck. You kind of just want a deck with a decent curve, has some creatures, has some pump spells, has some removal, and that's that's what you got. Uh, but I found that to just be so bad in this format. Like, I'm just losing to everything when I make these mid-rangey decks. Mm -hmm. So I found that I think you either want to be an, a full-on aggro deck, which I've run into and lost to a lot, or like a legitimate control deck. Like, don't put pump spells in this deck. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all control. Um, I don't think you really want to be in the middle, which is a bit unusual. But once I figured that out and I stopped playing white, I started doing a lot better. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you that you kind of have to choose between those two because I had the most success in uh, mm -hmm. aggro decks. Which is atypical, and sealed aggro usually is a bad idea. But yeah, because... This format, I think, is actually is something that like you want to do. If you just have, you know, obviously looking at your commons and uncommons, sometimes you just have those good aggro ones. You're like... Hey, this will actually work well together. Especially since, as you mentioned, people are getting so greedy with their splashes. Exactly. Sometimes the aggro deck just, just kills them. That's really what I'm trying to do, is just, like, punish the greedy players. That's what <laughs> I want to do. <laughs> so I'm not being yeah. that greedy, but I want to punish other people really badly. Because um, that just seems that just seems fun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but the, the well-built greedy decks, multicolor decks with the powerful sagas and the powerful lands are the best decks in the format. Oh, I think. absolutely. No, you're definitely right because you can lose to just any awesome bomb that sits there and you can't get rid of it or, you know, well-timed removal spell or these different things. You're like, okay, well, this saga kills me, but then this other one that you played right after it also kills me. So this is great. Uh, I can't get rid of either of those things. And Fortel just lets them do stuff in the early game, even if they have a slow control deck. So, you know, they can end up casting two spells on turn four because they foretold them. Yeah, which normally that deck can't do. Um, so that right. does make it a lot harder to, to get through, especially when they drop just like a 3-3 Raven or something that gets in your yeah, way yeah. if you're like an aggro player. Or that, um, what's the, it's like the Mistwalker. It's the, yeah. the, <laughs> the 1-4 uh, blue flyer that you can like give it plus one, minus one uh, by paying mm -hmm. snow, I think. For two mana. For two mana. Uh, yeah. that card out of nowhere, just like, it looks to me, looks not great. 
but it will put up a brick wall in front of your aggro deck because a lot of your creatures have one toughness and it doesn't have to die. It doesn't ever trade and you're just like losing everything. And then in the end, it just comes and attacks you and hits you for four. So um, that That's a card I was always playing, not because I necessarily thought it was good, but because I just love those cards. Like the blue, the stupid blue creatures with high toughness that have the plus one, minus one yeah. activated ability. I always like those cards more than other people. Yeah, <laughs> it just I, gives you so many options. It can be any of the power and toughness ranges. I know. You know? I have always hated them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing it and just always was shocked at how good it was. Yeah, it's very good. Or it's very just, few things it's just surprisingly good. It. Yes, but it's surprisingly yeah. good. And things with, yeah, like you were saying, things with four toughness are actually pretty good um, at stopping anything. <laughs> like below it, you, you mean it, it cleanly blocks a raven every turn, right? Or any of the right. good flyers. So it's like this. I think that's actually the thing I've noticed most about this format is that all the creatures are like two, two, and three, two. Like they're all just the same size. Exactly. And so what that ends up meaning is that board stalls are pretty common yes. because both players just have a whole bunch of random like two toughness creatures, and then there's a three, three on one side, and it's like oh crap. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like you. neither player can attack because the, the blockers on the other side are just, they're going to win every combat if you block. So you, you right. always want to be blocking, and you're just like... But there. what we can take from this, especially if you want to build aggro decks, is that pump spells are really good mm -hmm. because they force you through. Uh, in particular, if you're playing aggro, run amok is the, the one you want. Yep. Because uh, it's just, it's just the, the perfect card because it gives trample. So it's like they don't even save life on the block. And also equipment. I found equipment is really good in this set. It's way better than it usually is. I agree. I think, I mean, I also love that the equipment um, has the, it is a creature if it's late enough in the game. Oh, yeah. That uncommon cycle is very good. But it's very even good. like the random, like the stupid pick that yeah. makes a, a treasure, like a treasure. I found that thing surprisingly annoying when my opponents uh, are playing it. Because you are usually going to have to trade to kill the creature, and then they're just going to put it on something else. And if you don't block, you lose life, but they also get to ramp. A it's just like... Yeah. It, it is pretty uh, good. So... The plus one, plus one is just really relevant because everything's a 2-2 two, two or a 3-3, three, three, you know? So yeah. it just... It really lets you fight through. It's almost like a core set in that way where all the creatures are just, like, random 2-2s, two 2-3s. Two <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you right. You really need to, like, do something else to get the... It's like a 5-5 five, five for 5 is just a legitimately good card because it's bigger than yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very true. Um, but you were, you were saying earlier that you want to stay away from white as much as possible. Um, yeah. Which I, like, don't totally agree with. Um, I do white is garbage. <laughs> I really like uh, bound in gold and like a lot of the cheaper flyers that they have, especially that Valkyrie. That's the uh, three two for two if you exile a card or creature card from your graveyard. Um, I think it's pretty strong. So you you can do a pretty good blue white flyers deck, especially because that Raven is a freaking house. But yeah, but that deck would be good because blue is good. I think. <laughs> I don't like having. I still think Bound in Gold is so awesome in the ways that the Binding the Monsters isn't, or whatever it is, Bind the Monsters. Um, yeah. Because, you know, they play their 7-6 trampling giant thing that um, deals 7 damage if it dies, and you can just Bound in Gold instead of dealing 7 to your face. 
Yeah, your... I've kind of hated bound in gold because it's just and and also bind the monster is not my favorite because mm-hmm. I I just find there's so many ways to use a body with an enchantment on it or ways to get rid of the enchantment incidentally. Uh, so I really prefer actual removal to these enchantment based ones, which is part of the weakness of white in sealed. I think is well in sealed you're, you're relying mm-hmm. on bound in gold. You're relying on Bound and Gold and then Divine Gambit if anyone ever wants to play that, which I'm totally fine yeah. playing. I have no problems. <laughs> I would probably play that in Sealed because, like, they drop their bomb. Okay, if they play something else that's awesome, like, you were going to lose that game anyways. Exactly. To the bomb, so. Yeah, Might especially well if, nice. yeah, well, if, they, if they had it in their hand, they're going to play it anyway. Uh, so then yeah. you have two bombs to worry about. You might as well get rid of one of them. Um, exactly. If they drop a second bomb on you, you weren't winning that game. Yeah. <laughs> that's just... It just wasn't going to be a game you were going to win. You also don't have to play Divine Gambit on their, like, 3-3 or whatever. You don't do that. <laughs> don't do, do that. Do not do it. <laughs> it's like... Unless you're at 3 and you have no blockers. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's, oh, I, um, I have no... I, I still think you can play white. I don't think it's garbage. Um, but I would say that um, you being in green feels really good because you want to be splashing a bunch of stuff. And uh, having the glimmering... Glittering? Glittering... Fl- glittering Frost? glittering or glimmering glittering i think glittering frost um that card is just going to be very helpful in that situation and um any of the other things like the uh the human warrior the three two that uh boasts and goes get you a land uh and then you also have that snow untapper um Mm -hmm. all those things are just like great for your you know big stuff lots of colors deck right so if we're going to talk about colors, just to kind of make it clear, teamer colors, so green, blue, and red, mm-hmm. are the best colors. Um, they just have the best, the strongest commons. I, like you were saying, blue blue has the raven. Yeah. Uh, green has Sirolf's Pactmate. Uh, red has Demon Bolt. Red has Demon Bolt, and also I really like the 3-2 that boasts to draw you a card, or like, whatever. Yeah, uh, the Firewalker. Impulse you a card, or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, that thing. Um, um, I, I like what you're saying. I, I think that white and black are the best colors. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where that, uh, that losing is coming from. Hmm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do probably play back black more than I should, but I do like Poison the Cup, and being able to exile with uh, Feed the Serpent is just something I do. Right. It does come up uh, enough where I don't want them to either have a creature in their graveyard for something, or... It happens to be just some stupid thing. I don't want them to bring back with any Rise of the Draugr or something where I'm like, oh, sweet, finally I got rid of that giant thing, and then they just pick it up again. I'm like, oh, awesome. For sure. That's good. Yeah, I think if you read, like, if you're a member of the draft community, you're reading what's going on there, um, they'll tell you that in Kaldheim, uh, teamer colors are the best. White is fine, and black is terrible. That's what the, they'll say in draft. I think in sealed, black is not as bad as it is in draft. The reason black is so bad in draft is because uh, it's just too slow, basically. But in sealed, like we're talking about, having access to unconditional removal in Poison the Cup and Feed the Serpent, and Feed the Serpent is a common, I think you're much more interested in going black in sealed than you would be in, uh, in draft. Absolutely. And on the other hand, white has a lot of comments that's like, they want to work together. You want this boast creature and then this one to tap the thing out of the way so that you get to boast this one and pump the team. And All of their commons are kind of synergized to work together. 
And so it's harder to make that happen in sealed. So that's what I've found. So I found green is the best by like a country mile. Hmm. And then that, uh, that blue doesn't is, sound is very normal strong. at all. Are you talking? <laughs> yeah, I know. Weird, right? Green Why would green be good? Why um, is green blue the best? That's never happened before. Even yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> even on that uh, that note, playing Broken Wings. Um, normally, I'm not really about that card, but like, might as well. There's a. Yeah. I mean, I, I there have been many many games where I've died from freaking was it Terragrid's Lantern? Yeah, fuck that. Right, card. and so having okay. something that can kill an artifact in your deck. Just for whatever reason, that card goes around a lot. You'll, I, I don't know why I've seen it a bunch of times, and I've fought through it and died to it many times. Um, so now I'm always building a deck that's like, be able to kill that, or Raven Wings can kill you pretty easily, um, especially in those you know later turns. It's like, oh, it just has flying, and now I have to make sure you have a way to blow up artifacts and enchantments. Um, or flyers. For sure. There's so, a lot of sagas and stuff, too. Exactly. Although most of the time, the saga has done most of its damage on the first, uh, right when it hits the battlefield. Yeah, on that note, a lot of those multicolor sagas are terrible, and you shouldn't play them. Like, yeah, don't... I tried to make the red-white one work. I'm sorry, but that card's just bad. Is that... Just, like, it makes a couple of treasures and then doesn't do anything. Yeah, I have chosen not to play that card several times. <laughs> yeah. And I had, like, the, the quote-unquote dream, like, blue-white foretell deck in draft, and still I hated the blue-white enchantment that's for foretell. I just didn't like it at all. You mean, uh, was it um, Nico, Nico Defies something. Destiny? Yeah. Well, you didn't like gaining life and uh, bringing... I, th- actually, I have gotten screwed by the... Um, they played the Starnheim Unleashed. This is, But they had a mythic, right? So that's why it worked. But they played <laughs> yeah. Starnheim Unleashed and then got to bring it back with the Nico Defies Destiny and play it again, and it was like... Let's, let's analyze which card you're losing <laughs> to here. <though>. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's definitely the... Uh, I, I fought Definitely through the, the first saga, right? bit of angels. Yeah, <laughs> it just beat the first two Sarah angels, but the the next three really got me. It was rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the broken wings thing too. I wanted to say that I would play a broken wings in my main deck in best of one. In best of three, you just side them in if your opponent has strong. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Targets. Uh, with that note, actually, best of three and best of one. Talking about those. Well, you, you have the choice uh, for the Arena Weekend to, to decide which w- you would rather play. And they've actually opened up Best of Three Sealed for just anyone who wants to play it uh, up until the 20th, which is um, this weekend, uh, to practice right. that. And Jeff, what, what are you going to do for the, this weekend? Are you doing Best of One or Best of Three? Yeah, so this is always a discussion. Um, I found from playing the other tournaments that playing best of one makes it just easier to qualify. So if all you care about is qualifying for day two, your odds are just mathematically better on best of one. Um, you know, you can assume your win rate is, is strong and just figure it out. And people have done that, and basically you're going to get in faster playing best of one. There's also kind of some theory that best of three tends to have stronger players, stronger opponents in it, so, um, you know your win rate will actually be lower in best of three and all the usual jazz. Mm -hmm. But the main problem is that in best of one, you get three losses before you're out, so three game losses. And in best of three, you get one match loss. And essentially the issue is that that one match loss is just too unforgiving. And I think that that is actually um, like accentuated in sealed deck. Because let's just imagine you have a totally fine sealed deck, and then you run into somebody who has the absolute nuts pool. They just have a couple of mythic rares, all of the best uncommons for their color pair, 
and a bunch of commons, like the top-tier commons as well, perfect mana, you know, all that stuff, which happens. If you've ever played in a sealed event, sometimes the, there are people that just get crazy pools. The deck builds itself, and they, they 7-0 the event, you know? That is a thing that happens in sealed. So if you run into that person, you're just immediately out because you have very little chance of beating them because they're just playing a different game than you. So I would be really tempted. I'm going to play best of one. Yeah. No. Because then if I run into that guy in best of one, all right, he kicks my ass. I have two more losses to give. And it's so, so much less likely I'm going to run into three people with, you know, the nuts pools. Exactly. I'm just, um, I'm planning on having just that crazy pool, right? I know I'm just going to get right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's the real strategy is to... <laughs> is to uh, and then it doesn't matter what you play. Yeah, you just have to make sure that you have the best deck. Um, because you got the best cards. Actually, if you knew you were opening the nuts pool, you'd want to play best of three so that you don't just get mana screwed out of a, a loss. You know, you're oh, so much harder for your awesome deck to lose a match best two out of three exactly. than it is a single game. Exactly. No, um, that's what I think I'm going to be doing. Uh, <laughs> but no, <laughs> just, uh, just playing best of three <laughs> and praying for the dream pool. <laughs> but in all seriousness... Nope, oh, drop. No, let's try yeah, again. let's try again. <laughs> Um, I'll probably play uh, best of one, like you were saying, um, and I'll probably try two times this time around, um, just because I've been playing a lot, even though I've been, you know, saying I've been getting my ass kicked. I think I have a better shot this time around than um, playing some of the other uh, decks where, like, I was not ready for the best of one format for Constructed. I'm much more prepared for best of one uh, limited. Uh, so I think yeah. I'm actually just used to best of one limited. Exactly. That's the way I, that's, I play draft. Well, because that's the only way you can rank up. So. All right. Well, uh, how's your beer doing? My beer is absolutely empty and I definitely need another one. Let's go to a beer break. All right. Jeff, now that I'm drinking this everyday magic, I would like to say that you did not mention that the can is sparkly. There's like glittery stuff in it. It's very magical. You know, I noticed that when I first bought it, but I did not notice that when I was pouring <laughs> it at the start of the show. So I did not notice it when I wasn't I trying to withhold it. information. All right, okay. But I wanted you to discover it for yourself. Oh, that's very nice of you. It makes it feel yeah. like there's magic every day. I'm drinking Blood Moon, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive here because I've spent so much of my life hating Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> See, I never really played a format where people could play Blood Moon, so um, I just. Uh, it makes me want to play Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was just like a three-color, sketchy, mana-based, mid-range guy in modern, so Blood Moon was my arch nemesis. Ah, uh, yes. That sounds about right. Uh, and none of those colors were red. You know, it's like Sultai or Abzan. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking about making up jank decks... <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Hey, Abzan was a real deck in modern at some point. <laughs> All right, I, not I when am... I pl not when I played it. Oh, okay, it okay. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. We, <laughs> we just wanted to talk uh, quickly, quickly, maybe not quickly. Who knows? Um, about something that we we've discussed this a lot, um, a little bit here, but like mainly um, off the show. But just about people's ideas of magic as a game. I guess. And it's like, I think that a lot of people forget that there are two different parts of the game, right? A big part of the game is building your deck and, you know, choosing the colors you like and the cards you want in your deck and all those kinds of things. But the other huge half of the game is playing the game. 
and that there's right. a lot of skill that's involved in actually playing the cards and playing a game against your opponent. And if I had to choose, if I had to choose which of those two quote unquote halves are bigger, it's actually the the playing one, the playing not of the deck building. Yeah, which people it, it seems like a lot of people have it kind of flip flopped. Right. Um, and we wanted to thought this was a nice time to sort of have a, a chat about it because sealed deck is kind of the biggest culprit of this where people are like oh they only won because they opened good cards yes and the the thing that really changed um this actually kind of was a eureka moment for me i guess or a level up moment i guess is what people call it is when i I remember watching a few years ago there was these gps grand prix and they had limited ones every once in a while and i was trying to get like you know learn the limited format so i'd check in the gp and see oh what are they playing what's going on the way the GPs worked was day one was sealed deck, and if you did really well, then you make it to day two, where it's draft. But what I noticed from looking at these GPs is that the same players were always like 9-0 and at the end of day one, you know? So we're talking, you know, five different GPs, which is like ten different sealed decks. They won every match in all of them. So at a certain point, you have to say, are these just the luckiest people in the world or is sealed deck maybe less luck based than it's made out to be because the same person is winning every time you know it's like poker right where the same guys always win it's like well then it must be a skill based game yeah exactly they can't they can't just be lucky for 30 years <laughs> yeah there it is difficult there there's a reason why these pros win all the time and they get to the place that they are and they it's because they play differently than than we do like definitely i mean that's what i really like watching uh, all these like competitive tournaments or like the league weekends and things is seeing people who are fantastic at this game and me being like oh well this is the obvious play and then they do something completely Mm -hmm. different and i'm like why did you do that and then i learned three turns later why they did that i'm like oh that makes sense i would have lost this game i would have lost that and i've lost that game many times and been like oh they're screwed you know, they can't, they're going to do this. And then they end up being able to come back and, you know, win because of ma- like making the perfect play every single turn at every phase. They make no mistakes. Yeah. And so um, it, it is a good thing to talk about, especially before a sealed event that, you know, there's some things in magic that are just luck based, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing you could have done better. Yeah, and so that's a good way. That's of what makes it. magic so hard is that you have to understand which what were actually mistakes and what was the right play, but you just got punished. You got unlucky. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's why not everyone just gets amazing at magic because it's not just uh, learn from your like it's hard to learn from your mistakes because mm-hmm. it's hard to identify them. Uh, but you are making them because there seems to be this kind of I don't know assumption or or ideal in the community that. You know, players just pick the, the, the best decks, and if they pick the right deck for the tournament, now it's just about rolling the dice and hoping they win. And you get uh, hoping you get good matchups and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and I want to start out point, pointing out that I have definitely been this person. So, yeah, um, yeah. And I'm trying... I think we've all done it at some point. Yeah, I'm right? trying my best to kind of move out of this, this place where... So basically, for a long time, I believed that buying singles was bad. Um, because my LGS, when I was a kid, didn't sell singles. You could only buy packs. And I thought the spirit of the game was making a deck out of the cards that you had just found or traded for or what were around. And you didn't like actually build a deck that would be great or whatever. And I looked kind of down on people that built good decks that they saw what they could play. 
and put something to get something together that would work well together. I thought that I was like, oh, well, you didn't, the magic is gone, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I mean, obviously changed a lot since then, but I absolutely understand where people like that are coming from. And I've definitely been that person and still am at times that same person um, where I was like, well, oh, I don't like net decking because I didn't build that deck myself. And like, how am I playing magic with somebody else's deck? That's not what magic's about. It's like, well, that's only just a, that's a portion of, a portion of what magic is and playing the whole game and trying to, I don't know, beat your opponent with all the pieces that you have, you know, picking the pieces is one part of it, but playing them correctly is a whole other ball game. It's so much more complicated than it ever seemed. Yeah, exactly. I think you're just doing yourself a disservice though, if you have that attitude that, oh, Anyone who net decks, they got, they, you know, they didn't beat me because they were better than me. They only beat me because they stole a profession, pro player's deck. Or, oh, this pro player only won because they got lucky, picked mm-hmm. the best deck or whatever. It's like you're just never going to identify the play mistakes that you are making mm-hmm. if you adopt that attitude. Um, and I'm with you. Like, I was, I've gone through all of these phases as well. And sometimes now when I'm trying to build a new deck from scratch that's, you know, a fun brew and I just get friggin' dunked on by gruel adventures after like the fifth time I get a bit frustrated. It's like, uh, I'm in like, I'm in platinum and everyone's just copied this like, autumn's deck list of gruel adventures or something. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea if my deck is improving or not. Cause I just get friggin' smashed by this, but yeah, and know, it, I have those twangs of frustration. But, and it um, can be frustrating and, and I, you know, definitely understand that, but it's also, um, when when you're building your brew like that, it's hard to dis, like distinguish whether you're losing because your deck isn't good or you're losing because you're making bad plays. Right, and realistically, it's both. Like you're yeah. playing a, a deck where you don't, you're not going to know the interactions as well as your opponent. If you're building a new deck, as well as your opponent's going to know the interactions in a very common deck that they could just go read uh, something a guide about, on. or they've watched other people play, or those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do learn a lot from playing a deck that you took off the internet from a pro and when you're losing with it, you have to learn, all right, well, it's, I'm probably doing something wrong. What am I, what should I be doing that I'm not doing? How could I have approached this differently? Was I supposed to play it in this sequence or this sequence or, um, those kinds of things? Was I thinking enough about what my opponent was doing? All those kinds of things come up. Did I... You know, my big one is, did I develop my board too early and just let the board web come in and kill me? <laughs> like, right. Almost yeah. every time I'm like, I play that last creature from my hand, I'm like, oh, crap. No, they yeah. definitely have uh, a wipe and I'm, I'm screwed now. I bet that card that's over there foretold might be Doomscar. It's either Doomscar <laughs> or it's probably Crush the Week because that one gets me yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> I've literally never even seen that card. I had to like look it up when you told me it got you. That's ex- but th- that's the thing, right? Because I, I I look at it and like dismiss it, or like I just haven't really seen it a lot because it's an uncommon. And then it it's the card, of course, that they like just blow me out with. I'm like, all right, so it was bad to go that fast. <laughs> I should have yeah. slowed down a little bit and made them crack that earlier. Ugh. Right, but it was interesting because I found like last standard season. I started out on Gruel Adventures, and I did really well in this tournament. You know, I had I had success with it, and I was playing a bunch of Gruel Adventures. And then, because of the podcast account, we built Rogues, and I started playing Rogues. Mm-hmm. And then I, I switched because I just enjoyed the deck more. 
But what I found was uh, when I was playing Gruel Adventures, like if I played after that, you know, if I played Gruel Adventures, I was beating rogues. And then if I played rogues, I was beating Gruel Adventures. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to tell who's quote unquote favored in the matchup. And the point is, isn't that, you know, I'm some amazing player that was beating everyone. It's just that I knew both decks really well. So I knew what the other deck was trying to do when I was playing Gruel and what I could do to stop it before they do it. And then when I was playing Rogues, because I knew the Gruel deck well, I was able to, you know, get an edge against them because I knew what they were trying to do. Exactly. And I would play my cards in such a way to stop it. So it was like, it's not about who's favored in the matchup. It was about who understood the matchup better. Yeah. And there, there is a difference between playing against a deck a lot of times and thinking, like, guessing what they're trying to do and actually right. playing the deck yourself a lot and being like, this is what I'm trying to set up. These are the reasons I'm doing all these things. These are the literal, the cards in my hands. Um, it just, it changes your perspective a lot. And it, right. you know, obviously you can learn a lot from watching pro play, um, like the league weekend coming next weekend, um, because you can see yeah. both hands at the same time. So that gives mm -hmm. you a lot more information. Yeah. But, and meanwhile, I was, I always had a trouble with both decks actually against Esper Doom Foretold. And uh, Gruul is kind of supposed to lose to Esper Doom Foretold. That's why uh, Esper became a deck. But Rogues is supposed to beat it, like if you read stuff online and what the pros say. But I really wasn't <laughs> wasn't very good at beating it with Rogues because I've just never played Esper Doom Foretold. It's not a deck that I put much time into learning. Uh, and so every time I'd come against it in a competitive event, I'm like, ah, fuck. Like, I know I'm supposed to win this matchup, quote-unquote, but I know that I don't actually... I'm not confident in my uh, ability to play this matchup to the 55% it's supposed to be in my favor, yeah. you know? Like, I'd rather play Gruul. <laughs> this is hilarious because um, I hate Esper Doom Foretold, but I've never tried playing it, ever. And it's same, Yeah, we're yeah. in the same boat, then. <laughs> if we both just want to dodge this fucking deck. As soon as I see, like, Yorion and, like, I see their Esper Mana, I'm like, oh, I hate this matchup. It's so annoying. No matter what yeah. I'm playing, I don't even care. I just hate playing that deck. Um, and it, it, like, I should take my own advice and go build that deck and play it and be like, okay, right. is exactly. Cause you will, you'll quickly learn all the weak points of the deck when you're like, ah, I really need to draw this card or these are the things that are going to kill me or, um, their evaluation right. of everything. Obviously you're evaluating everything completely different when you're playing a different deck. So it's important to play a bunch of different ones, um, and knowing the meta well. So, okay. This is one point I want to make. So. Um, if you play all the different decks, obviously you know how they lose and how they win. So if you want to brew around something for standard or whatever, knowing the meta and building a deck that specifically donks on certain ones or the great, the one that's seen a lot, that's a great way of building a sweet brew that you created yourself, but also being able to be competitive in the meta that you're you're going into. Right. Oh, you you have no idea how many times people will like send me their brew and be like, "Isn't this sweet?" Like, sure, but what's your plan to win against Gruul? Or what's your plan to win against Esper? Like, oh, I don't know. I just want to do this cool thing. And I just have these kind of random sideboard cards that seem good. Like, good, against, seem to be oh, quote-unquote good I'm gonna, sideboard cards. I'm going to play this card against Graveyard Strategies. It's like, what Graveyard right. Strategy deck are you talking about? Like, yeah. what what is the deck that you're going to put those cards in, right? I think... Right, and then, and then they're like, oh, but it just sucks because I just keep losing to Gruul Adventures and Esper Doom Foretold. I'm like, well... This, this is on you, you know? Like, it's not like you didn't know you were going to come up against those decks. <laughs> yeah. If you... Um, I mean, obviously, building a deck is super hard, right? It's not like some... Obviously, like we're saying, playing is really hard. 
building a really great deck is also extremely difficult. Right. Yeah. I don't want to sell that part short either. Yeah. Which we're going to, we will, we have something planned for that. We want to talk about that in a later episode. Just know that playing the decks that you're playing against will give you a lot of information that you don't have at the moment. Um, now, obviously, this can be difficult with like wild card restrictions and different things like that. And building your collection will be really helpful. But the great thing about Arena is that you can just, once you start to have more and more cards, you can build every deck in the meta and learn which one you like the most. Um, you can play that one more often than not or play the deck that you hate the most. If you're like, this deck, I hate Rogue so much. You know, you're like, this is the worst deck. Ruin Crab, I fucking hate that card. Milling people is just garbage. Go play a mill deck and and understand what it's like to right. try to do that. You will learn all the weaknesses it has because uh, there are a lot. Yeah. If, you, if you if you've ever thought, oh, ruin crab's just a free win, just play one match with rogues and you'll be like, fuck, this ruin crab did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or you draw it late, you're like, great. Now I have another. What right. is this ruin crab going to do? I'm supposed to win with right. damage. They're at three. I can't get anything in. I'm screwed. Yeah, and it's funny like. In the Esper Doom foretold matchup that I know is is like a weakness of mine, I know what I don't understand too, and it's when to play in more cards into a Doom foretold and when to let the Doom foretold just happen. Mm -hmm. I don't understand totally which when to do each one. Yeah, and the easiest way to learn that is to play Esper Doom foretold, and you'll just learn it because you'll be like, oh man, I really hope my Rogues player just lets my rogue's opponent just lets this doom foretold go and doesn't cast anything here. Or, you know, I really hope they don't, they, you know, they get tricked into sacrificing another mm -hmm. thing to my doom foretold. And then now I know as the rogue's player, if I'm willing to put in a bit of time, net decks, you know, probably Andrea Mancucci's uh, Esper deck, mm -hmm. play that for a bit. And just when I play against rogues, I'll naturally be like, oh, I want them to do this or I don't want them to do that. And that will help me identify it on the other side. Like, oh, it looks like they want me to do this. Yeah. I, I almost wish that I, there was an easier way for me to just like record my matches to watch them back. Not that I'm like training for anything great or something, but I know there's a lot of mistakes I make. Well, number one, I make a lot of mistakes because I'm always drinking when I play Magic. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's because of this podcast. You've made that association. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> magic and beer. Well, we made this podcast because I was drinking beer and playing Magic a lot. So, you know, it kind of goes it's both the ways. chicken and the egg. Yeah, right? What, what came first, really? But it would, you know... Watching players go back, like pros, sometimes they'll they'll rewatch a match that they had and explain their thinking behind each play that they had, and it works really well, specifically with Arena because it's easier to see a lot of the gameplay as far as as opposed to um, back in paper. But uh, some of those have been very helpful. Like well, William Huey Jensen had a great one um, from one of the league weekends a while like. A, a while back when he was playing oh rogues. right the, that was like the the shark typhoon rogues the weirdo rogues it was deck. the shark typhoon shark rogues typhoon deck um against uh autumn was i think it was when autumn was playing um teamer uh teamer Ultimate. ramp yeah yeah and mm -hmm. man was that like well, i've watched the match when it happened and i've talked about that before but watching him like break down all of his plays and his thinking is really helpful because um, most of the time, all these players are like, well, they tapped their mana this way, so I, I expected that they had this one card. So now I decided I'm playing a, around this card, right? And I've been trying my best to do that. It's really easy with mm -hmm. foretell cards most of the time where it's like, literally they have Jund mana and they foretell a card and they only have one red left. I was like, okay, they have Demon Bolt. Now I know they have Demon right. Bolt. How do I play against Demon Bolt? 
What are the cards? And you can do the arena thing where you can check if it's giving them priority. Yeah, and that kind of stuff. It's definitely Demon Bolt. Just have one red. Yep, it's definitely Demon Bolt. Okay. Um, So you can do those kinds of things. Um, But uh, it's good practice. You know, like, that's something I'd never thought about before. Um, Or it's only, Mm -hmm. it's the thing I only think about when the card's on the stack. I'm like, oh, crap, all their blue mana's open. (laughs) Why did I play my my bomb right into blue? (laughs) It's so (laughs) stupid. Um, Yeah, like the other game, or the other day I had a game uh, where I was just like, well, I'm... And this was on stream, actually. So, you know, there are witnesses. But I was just, I had my uh, Starnheim Unleashed, mm-hmm. which makes a bunch of angels. And my opponent just had disdain. They had basically left up one in the blue all game. And I was like, mm-hmm. this pretty much has to be disdainful stroke, right? Um, so then I sit there for a while. I think about it. I was like, well, I have to cast this. I'm going to cast it for X equals two, for two angels. Um, they're going to disdainful stroke it. And then I'm going to play this on the next turn. And that's my plan to win the game. But it's like I had to sniff out Disdainful Stroke. And it's like if they don't have it, I just win. So that's fine. But I had to like, I think I just am forced to play this. Because it was such a point in the game where they're just never going to not have one in a blue up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, and my deck didn't really have any other cards that cost four or more. So it's like this is just going to get tagged with Disdainful Stroke if they have it. And I don't want to wait and give them several draw steps to actually draw the disdainful stroke i was playing around because i've noticed people do that too right it's like they might have negate i'm not going to play anything and then the opponent doesn't have negate they have island mm-hmm. and then they don't play anything for three turns and then the opponent draws the negate and then the, they play it and it's like negate like oh shit i knew, I it. knew it. Like, it yeah actually you were wrong <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> you like manifested the negate in their hand you're like i bet they have yeah. negate or they'll get it in three turns it's the worst when you bluff something, when you're on the other side of that, you like bluff a negate, and then you draw a negate on the next turn. It's like, well, now they're playing around the cards. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, I just forced them to play around a negate, and then drew it, so now they're right to play around the gate. <laughs> yeah, but at least... Damn it. Sometimes in that case, you just, like, tap out, and you're like, I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess in that case, then you get pan- punished really badly. And but... they just resolve their emergent ultimatum. And yeah, <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I mean, and and kind of actually going back to our sealed talk, um, I did read something that was like, because Run Amok is this big red card that people are looking for, um, but a lot of the times bluffing a Run Amok might be a good idea because people are expecting it. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see in this arena open, uh, sometimes it can be harder in like the lower um, wins. You might be paired against like, quote unquote, less experienced players who wouldn't be... who wouldn't know all the cards in the set, so might not be expecting a run of the buck. Um, but if you play, you know, yeah. higher up you get, the more you can bluff a bit and um, try to try to convince them you have run of muck when you don't. I used to do that all the time. I, I loved the feeling in paper of bluffing. And so often, like, my opponent would block. And I'd, like, attack a 2-2 and do a 2-3. And then they block. And I'm just like, Oh fuck! And I just put my two two in the graveyard. <laughs> that was always like my favorite moments because my opponent's just like, wait a minute, what why, just happened? Why would you do that? I'm so confused. Um, in paper, my favorite thing is when you uh, you have two lands in your hand and you draw another land, and you you look at it and then you look kind of closer at your cards and read things again, and then you look at the card again. You're like, oh, and you put it down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm people, auto attacking if and my a lot of, does that. a lot of people are like around me and they're like looking at my hand and I'm just like reading cards again with <laughs> and I'm like you're an actor though so maybe you could pull it off but I find most people are so bad at that where it's just like 
all right, you're selling this way too hard. You got nothing to tackle. Yeah. I usually try not to give it too much because I do it often. So right. I just like make sure I never want to look at a card and, and think like, and be like, oh, it's definitely nothing. And just like go with my turn. Um, so even in so arena, yeah, I'd be sitting here like, there's no way he's reading Demon Bolt that aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> he, Deal four. It's not that card. <laughs> I never know what the card I'm trying to bluff is, but it's, I'm trying to bluff it's something, right? Although maybe if you've had three pints of Fandy Mond, I could believe that you're like, wait, oh. what does this card do? <laughs> Especially if it's a new set. Um, but in Arena, I really love when you draw your third land or whatever, and you're just holding lands in your hand, where you like go to combat, you attack all, and look, and then you... You, and you pull one back. Start and, pulling a couple. And then back. you pull. Then you pull them all back, and you pass the turn. <laughs> Instead of draw step, skip turn. You know. Yeah, yeah. It just uh, that that gives me a little bit of joy, even though I'm probably losing that game. It's still kind of fun. It's funny because I bluff way more in paper than in arena. Yeah. Because like, in in paper, you often know who you're playing against too. Like when we used to play at the the local store. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm playing against uh, you know this player. Mm -hmm. They literally call every bluff ever. I will not bluff. Like, they're going to block and just accept the fact that they're going to get blown out because mm -hmm. they don't want to let you get free damage. Yeah. Whereas this player is hyper-conservative. You get free damage in on them all the time, you know? <laughs> that is great. Whereas on Arena, I'm like, how does, like, Joe Schmo X348, you know, feel? Deal with this. Oh. Hmm, interesting. I don't have no idea. Uh, yeah, but I always loved when you were like bluffing a pump spell the whole game, and then you finally just play the last card out of your hand, and you just like see your opponent's face, like wait, what the fuck? You, but you didn't have that. You're like you had nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I attacked a two two, and you're two three, and you just didn't block. Oh paper. Yeah, now it like doesn't feel because if you if something bad happens on arena, they don't see your face, so you can just like that's why you see a lot of snap concedes when like um, right. when like. You know, early on, you'll you might go down in tears or something. But you're, I I definitely started doing this when I first started playing Arena. Whereas, like, I made one mistake. I'm like, oh, made a mistake. Nope, start over. Gonna have a perfect game where I don't make any mistakes, and that's why I'd concede. And now I'm very against that. Where I'm like, well, you you should probably try to see how you can this game goes out after making that uh, mistake. But um, yeah, the way you get better is to just keep making mistakes, but it's important. This kind of brings us back off of our tangent here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's important to just do your best to identify your mistakes because that is how you get better. And if you just are like, oh, I lost because my opponent's playing some BS auto win deck, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. You'll never get better. Um, and I mean, not only are you like upsetting yourself for no real reason, it's, you know, it's just a game you lost. Let's try and learn what we can. You're also like, you're not going to identify what mistakes you made because, you know, oh, my opponent just had a turn one ruin crab. Nobody ever beats that. As a rogues player, plenty of people beat that all the time. All the time. <laughs> um, especially if they have escape cards after sideboard. You're like, ooh, maybe this isn't a good strategy. <laughs> Not with my new Graph Diggers game. <laughs> my, my Ultra Tech. Ultra Tech, yeah, the new Graph, the one from Cold Time, yeah. But yeah, that's what gets me the most is, like, you see it all over Twitch, if you're ever on Twitch <clears throat> or on Twitter or stuff, or, like, even watching the League weekends. There are just people saying, oh, I can't believe they brought this no-skill deck. And that's what always gets me, you know? Like, okay, there are... Linear. Like, there are <clears throat> decks in Magic that have existed that are, like, really low skill level and kind of are a coin flip. Like, these 
you know, Tybalt decks, Tybalt's trickery decks or whatever. It's literally just like, ah, I mulligan, and if I have the right hand, you're going to lose. Sure, but, like, those decks aren't competitive. Like, any real deck is not a no-skill deck. And, and it leads me to, like, the notion of what's easy to play. So many people are like, oh, this deck's so easy to play. And that somehow brings shame upon whoever decided to play it. You know, like, that's an attitude I think you have to get rid of. First of all, easy to play is not a well-defined term. Mm -mm. I think generally people mean, like, how large is the decision tree, mm -hmm. right? But if, if you're just defining it by the decision tree, like how many decisions you have to make in an average game, a control deck is quote-unquote hard to play, and an aggro deck is easy to play, and, and there's, that's just a strict sliding scale. So it's not a very useful notion. You're just talking about whether it's how aggressive it is. The reason that it's such a, a dumb term, easy to play, is because, sure, an aggro deck, the game's not going to last as long. Generally, you'll have fewer decisions to make. But each decision matters more. If you make one of them wrong, you're probably going to lose. Whereas a control deck, you might have 50 decisions, but you can make 25 of them suboptimally and still win the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So which one's really easier to play? The one where, okay, you have three decisions, but any misstep on any one of them and you lose... Or is it the one where you have, like, 40 chances to prove yourself, and as long as you're posting a 50% guess rate on these decisions, you're going to win? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it changes from person to person. So I think we should try to avoid the term easy to play and instead just talk about things, what we actually mean. Oh, this deck is... some Like, it is... If you're taking a control deck to a tournament, you are probably more likely to feel mental fatigue because your games last longer and you have less rest time, you know, between the matches. Mm -hmm. Sure, and that's something you can talk about that's quantifiable. Just saying something's easy to play is so ridiculous because, like, I personally find control decks much easier to play than aggro decks because I've just played a lot of control. So, and I find control decks basically, they reduce the game to just one thing. It's all about threat evaluation. You just have to try to make your, your answers line up with their threats, and you have to evaluate which threats require answers immediately and which can... Like, it's all just about threat evaluation because you're going to win eventually if you survive. Mm -hmm. With aggro, like, I often don't know. Should I attack with everything, throw away a 2-2 in order to get two extra damage in? Like, I don't know. I haven't played enough aggro for that to be a decision that I fully understand, like, I'm confident making. And if I make that decision wrong, I'm going to lose. Yeah. You know, often you have to throw away your creatures to get more damage, but often you don't attack because you need your creatures to eventually get the full 20. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. And then you always just, it's always so ridiculous, like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so brought rogues. That's such a no-skill deck, easy to play. It's like, you should maybe give it a Anyone who says that just hasn't played it. They've like, never played rogue, because rogues is super hard. Yeah, rogues, like, if we were to define easy to play, you know, rogues would not meet it. Like, no. rogues is the kind of classic deck where in the Star City Games events, you know, the players of my level that are playing in it, rogues has a poor win rate, and then in the league weekends it has a, a great win rate. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the biggest discrepancy in how, how often the pros win with it and how often the competitive non-pros win with it. Like, it's definitely, you know... There are cards I hate. There are there are archetypes I don't like. All you know, not liking something is fine, but that doesn't mean that it isn't hard to play or isn't is easy or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I, I just hate the like toxicity of it, like taking away someone's achievement because 
The, and the other thing is, again, in a tournament, easy to play is a bonus because you won't su- suffer from mental fatigue. Yeah. If you really want to talk about something being easy to play, that, that's a good thing about the deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop yeah. like trying to shame people for bringing quote unquote. They're, they easy. must be simpletons because yeah. they're playing uh, mono red. I really like, think no, they're but like. Well, I think the word that I heard that was really helpful was like those are linear decks. It's like um, right. you're going to do this on turn one, then on turn two you want to do this, and turn three you want to play this and this, and those. You know, it's very like you have a plan that starts from the very first turn. Um, and that is much more linear than like a control strategy when you want to sit back a little bit or you, you and know. it doesn't really change based on your matchups. Exactly. Like mono red's always trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. A blue white control deck. Well, it's also kind of always trying to do the same thing, Yeah. but then you have like a mid range deck that has to adapt differently based, do different things based on what deck it's playing against. So, um, everything is, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, and I just think playing the most magic that you possibly can is usually better. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would say if you get to play, the more decks you can play, uh, the more things you know about, the more cards you get to use, you know, the better you will be. And, you know, you'll just have a, a better, well, number one, a better time playing, I think. Um, it'll just help your your mental state. Um, but it's also just fun. I don't know. Playing the more decks is great. Playing more yeah. high power. As long as you can, you know. Yeah. So um, that's kind of my advice to you. Uh, I hope you take it. And I, you know, anytime... And be more inclusive. Like, stop shaving people for bringing... What, for based on what deck they bring, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's not that big a deal. I, I, like, I do it for fun, right? Like, oh, they brought this deck, so I'm not going to, you know, cheer for them. Yeah, that's, like a, that's a sports honestly, thing. You know, your ribbon... Right. You, I'm always going to say that uh, the Bills suck or whatever because, you know, <laughs> you're a Bills fan, but... Or, you know, like, wow, I can't believe they brought the Blitz. I mean, it's yeah. like the Broncos brought the Blitz last game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, they always Blitz. That's so, that's so lame. An amateur. I can't believe they Blitz. An easy win. <laughs> yeah, what an easy win. What, you rush the quarterback? Good job, you know. Okay, everyone yeah, can, can you imagine, win. like, head coaches <laughs> making fun of each other for, like, oh, that's such an easy win, no-skill strategy? It's like, well, like, they kicked your ass, though. Yeah, so you like, couldn't stop yeah, that. Yeah, but... Not with honor. Oh, what you, you oh, so you ran the ball up the middle every play? Good job. That's like really Way hard football. It's like your your O line sucks. They can't, or sorry, your your D line sucks. They can't do anything. Um, so yeah, yeah it's just that's what we have in Magic, right? Like oh, I could a good job winning with a, a Brogues deck that that you know PVDDR builds. Well, good job <laughs> drafting that running back. Good job, man. <laughs> it's yeah. like, dude, yeah, I'm gonna take the best one that's there. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's like, oh, you only won because you drafted that. It's like, yeah, it was there. I, I evaluated it was the best one. I picked it. <laughs> right. Oh. And, uh, and like, net decking. Oh, you, you only know that that's the best player because you, like, read their stats online and looked into it. Yeah. Oh, oh you're using the Philly special because they did that in the Super Bowl. I, yeah, yeah. That's the only way you know that. It's like, yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Uh-huh. Like, they're plays. Once you do it once, everyone knows what it is and everyone's going to copy you. And that's just the, that's the game. So it's just life, man. And also, that's magic too. So, and just think of the term net decking. It literally is referring to the internet. That's how old this term is. Yeah, like, this is back when you it, would get a magazine that told you what all the card prices were. Like, yeah, and it it stemmed from a time when maybe it would suck that you know not everyone had the internet. You just have access to the cards you have at your local store, and then someone else does bring in like. A world champion deck that they got off the internet. Like, oh, that would they'd be like, well, I can't really compete with you. 
Yeah. That's just not the age we live in anymore, though. But yeah, exactly, because everyone has it in their pocket, right? You can look up the best deck right now. <laughs> or you can see win percentage. You can, you know, you can choose from the top five decks um, your, you know, smorgasbord of whatever list that you'd like. So, yeah. So the main reason I wanted to go on that, like, no skill deck rant, uh, rant is to let you know if you are doing that, stop. And uh, if you're like, you don't want to play mono red because you're worried people are going to be saying shit like that, just just don't worry about it. Like, the stigma is so ridiculous. This is know? why I've decided to play Boggles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think Boggles <laughs> can ever be called a no-skill deck, but boy, do I hate that deck. Yeah, like, <laughs> a lot of people hate it, and that's why I picked it. <laughs> no, I actually like yeah. when people can't do stuff to my creature. I like when my creature is basically just safe from everything. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's kind of, I mean, we are definitely going to talk about this over and over again. So this is not the first time where we will bring this up. Anyway, um, I think I'm ready for last call. Last call. Ding, 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 ding. I thought that might happen. Sounds about right. <laughs> All right. We picked our own. Yeah. Like we normally do. So I got the blood It's like moon. the default. Yeah. It's the default. I mean, we've kind of changed it up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I just think this blood moon, oof. Just a lot better than that uh, butterfly shit. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if I'm being totally honest, neither of them wowed me. So yeah. It was another one of those kind of like, there was no obvious winner, but um, for me. Yeah. Because neither was just exceptional, I didn't think. But uh, that being said, both were fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree. I, um, yeah, there's something, there's something I didn't like about everyday magic and i don't know what it was um mm -hmm. the it's like it's pretty hazy um which is nice actually and i like some of the other flavors and it is i mean like you were saying they were kind of neck and neck but there was some aftertaste that i wasn't sitting exactly right with me i don't exactly know what it is but um threw me off enough that i was like you know what i'll have this uh, blood moon which has more of like a weedy aftertaste actually yeah, I think that's kind of what I don't like about it, actually. <laughs> and again, it is slightly too much towards the, like... Sour. We're focusing on the juicy, sour aspect of it, rather than the beer aspect. It does taste like blood orange, though, which is good. Yeah, I like that, because I've mm -hmm. had blood orange uh, beers before, and I just don't get the blood orange at all. Yeah. Like, so I get I get like some unidentifiable citrus, you know, and then it's like, why did you go for blood orange then? Why did yeah, exactly. Just, it just tastes like citrus. Citrus IPA or citrus sour or something. Right. Lemon, you know. So. Yeah. Um but with these, um I mean I've I've had a lot of other whitewater stuff and I'm still waiting to get a great whitewater beer. Um mm -hmm. a lot of their stuff has felt very flat. And this is one of the better ones. So, um, and it also is named Blood Moon. I really like that a lot. <laughs> but I'll, I would probably drink this. Oh, oh, so, okay. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself like I always do. Um, yeah. We are rating our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, which is the tiers in Arena, obviously. So it's bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and mythic at the top. Um, yeah. So we're not going to go exactly, you know, we rate these all the time. Um, so if you want to hear a breakdown of that, it's in one of our other episodes. Go find it. It's a, it's <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. hunt. <laughs> um, but for this one, I'm going to... Let's start with the Blood Moon, all right? Okay. I'm, it's right in front of me. Um, I 
I will pick this up again. I'll, I'll probably have this again, um, even if it's just for the memes of the Blood Moon. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever there's a draft again, I might have bring a bunch. You know, when we can draft in paper, uh, right. I'll bring some, and it'll be like, oh, it's a funny magic card name. Um, but yeah, so I would almost say platinum. I like it. I'm gonna say platinum. Yeah. Yeah, for me it was gold, but like a, a, a solid gold, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and again, it's mostly just preference. I, I don't like these sours that are, you know, this this, this much type. towards that end, that end of the scale. Yeah. Of like, you know, yet sour beer is a big scale. It can be a lot closer to beer or a lot closer to, to just sour, like, juice kind of. And this one's a bit more towards that. It definitely I mean, is. I just, I just don't personally like that. Um, yeah but it's it's fine if that is what you like i mean it's and and like you say it does a good job of you can taste the blood orange mm -hmm. uh it is sour Mm -hmm. that's definitely true um so i think it's more of like into it's it's good it's it's more of a character flaw in you than it is with the beer (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but no i I, this is like a a, an easy no skill beer uh, (laughs) it's so easy to make like i can't believe they've been making this takes a true aficionado to appreciate the kind of beers that I like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything you like is like garbage. So, you know, it makes you um, a worse yeah. person for liking it. But, you know, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Though I definitely agree. Um, it's probably closer to the juicier side, but I really like juicy beers. Even my IPAs, right. I prefer a juicy IPA. So, um, I'm definitely like, well, that's, sweet. that's, that's different as we're about to talk about. Well. Because <laughs> we segue to everyday magic. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, this is like a East Coast IPA, which is a style I really like, um, and this is a fine job of it. Uh, it's it's hazy, like you, it's pretty opaque mm-hmm. actually. You cannot yeah. see through that. You cannot. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I like the flavors. Tastes pretty good, but uh, I don't. Know, I guess like I said at the start, it just didn't wow me. There's yeah. not much more to say about that. This is like a pretty. This is a, a style where there are a lot of really good beers mm-hmm. from it. So it's like hard to break out in this style. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I definitely think that's true. That like um, if I'm looking for a blood orange sour, there aren't a ton of those. So this is a pretty good version of it. Um, right. That kind of hazy IPA. I've had a lot of them. There's a ton of them. And this is right. definitely not one of my favorite ones. So. I'm probably yeah, going to go. And there's some like absolutely incredible ones. I, I was still going to give this platinum. Um, yeah. And I'm going to give a gold. So <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> makes sense that we would pick the ones that we rated the best, you know? Um, yeah. That's kind of how that works. Uh, anyway, I think it's closing time. So closing time. <laughs> it's the end of the episode and we should plug our sponsor. If we had one, <laughs> <laughs> we should plug ourselves. We now. should, yeah, we should get a sponsor maybe sometime. Um, but if you want to tell us if you want to sponsor our show, you can reach us at Arena Regulars yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can find us on Arena itself. You probably won't be able to ask us to sponsor you. I don't know if that's an emote they're coming out with. But, uh, right, currently you can't, but we'll be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. Yes, and if you'd like to talk to me, Zach, personally, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Zulberg, Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? Just want to say we're a Canadian podcast, so that's Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. No, it's not. Um, it's absolutely not. <laughs> My name is American. It's Z. It's a Z. 
Get out of here. You're going to confuse the listeners. Uh, so if you if you want to get in contact with me, you can find me at BluesBrewsMTG on Twitter, or I stream on Twitch, BluesBrews. I stream Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday nights, unless, you know, there's some sort of Super Bowl or Valentine's Day thing going on, because that's a lot of Sundays have been no stream days recently. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, anywhere that you can leave a review or follow us or listen to us or anything. It makes a huge difference to hear your feedback and for people to see that you like the show. Yeah, we would really appreciate it. We would. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you not to play white in Kaldheim Sealed. Good night. All right, that's fine.